0: of God's Word to Joshua chapter 4. If you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 335. 335. You know, we serve a God who is faithful all the time. All the time. You know, even when we try to be faithful, uh, we're, we're just not. You know, I'm pretty faithful to eat lunch and dinner. I'm pretty good at that. But, you know, when I try at life, try to be faithful to things and and to set out to do what I've said, even I'm trying the hardest, I don't always do a good job. As I looked in the mirror this morning, I, I realized that, you know, I faithfully shave every Sunday morning. And yet I miss a spot right here. Right there. Even when I'm doing the best I can, even then, I'm not faithful like I ought to be. But praise the Lord that God's faithfulness is not like that. He's not fickle, and he's not, um, he doesn't have any weaknesses. He didn't have a, a too full of a schedule. He's always faithful to everything he tells us that he will do. And we see that in our text this morning, that God was faithful to his people. He was faithful to his people when it came time to cross the Jordan. So let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us. So Father, bless our time. As we open your word and uh, as we seek to learn more about you about your faithfulness, Lord, and what our response ought to be to your faithfulness, Lord, by your spirit, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that you anoint both the speaker and the listener. For all these things, in the name of Jesus, amen. Joshua chapter 4 through 5 verse 1, hear now the word of the Lord. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. The people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Jordan, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. So the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan. Until everything was finished, the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war, Passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in all of him just as they had stood in all of Moses, all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted on dry ground, The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do those stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, And there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. You know, one of the blessings of being a Christian for more than just a few years is that you can look back and see evidences of God's faithfulness in your life. If you've been a Christian for decades, then... Lord willing, you'll be able to look back and think about it, all the ways that God has shown up in those hard times, in those milestones, in those great times of temptation and suffering. That though they were hard and perhaps full of conflict, the Lord was there and he was faithful to get us through each and every one of those situations. The Lord our God is faithful. And we find that, as we've said several times in our service today, from uh, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. But you know, if you're like me, I would be willing to suggest that that you probably doubt God's faithfulness from time to time. There are a lot of reasons we forget, and there's a lot of reasons that, that we doubt God's faithfulness. Perhaps it's apathy and indifference. We don't notice, we don't see when God is faithful to us. But I think perhaps more frequently it's that spiritual amnesia that we experience God's faithfulness, perhaps we even give him praise, but then we go along and we forget how he's been with us. And then we meet another trial, another situation, another Jordan to cross. And we wonder is God faithful today? Is God faithful today? Perhaps one of the best ways to nourish our faith, to grow our faith, grow our belief more strongly in what and how God is faithful in our lives is, is by reflecting on. Reflecting on how God has been faithful to His people throughout all the generations, through His church and both the Old and New Testament, and how He's been faithful to us. And what we'll see is that when we do that, when we reflect on what He's done, it grows our faith that we believe more strongly that God will be faithful today, and it causes us to worship and even to proclaim to the nations this great story of God's faithfulness to his people. Well, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people that were crossing over the Jordan on this day, you know, at least one of them was having a bad day, right? And at least one of them was wondering, okay, is this really going to work? Because there's a whole bunch of water in front of us. Is this really going to work? Is God truly faithful? Last week we saw in broad strokes how God parted the Jordan River. And do you know that in that chapter and this chapter we have it told in three different ways. Three times we read of how God parted the Jordan River. It seemed repetitive when we were reading it earlier, what, didn't it? And it's because it is. And, and the author here, the Spirit spirit of God working through a holy a man writing his word. The word of God is inspired is drawing attention to something. He is drawing attention to how God provided for his people in this moment. God was faithful on this day. And it was a good day to be faithful, wasn't it? So how did it work? What happened? Well, from this text and from chapter 3, we can put together a few details. So God had commanded when the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, uh, when they were to come to the brink of the water... And the water of the Jordan River would be divided in two. Can you imagine the faith that it would take to take the Ark of the Covenant up on its poles and start walking towards a river that you're going to believe is going to split before you as soon as you touch the edge of that water? You're believing in God's faithfulness if you're doing that, aren't you? You know, oftentimes we are called to have the same kind of faith. When we're walking towards a trial or tribulation in our lives, we're walking for it; We have no other uh, option at this point. We're walking towards it, believing that when we get there, God's going to do something. That we ought to pray as we walk towards it too. So they walk towards the Jordan River. And as soon as they get there, God is true to his word. And as soon as their toes touch the brink of the Jordan River, which is overflowing its banks at harvest time, it divides in two. To be technical, it stands up in a heap upriver, about 15 to 20 miles at a place called Adam near the city of Zarethan. And so they would go into the middle of the Jordan River. And so the priest, carrying the Levitical priest carrying the, the Ark of the Covenant stood in the middle of the Jordan River while the hundreds of thousands of people crossed over on muddy ground. No, grimy ground. No, dry ground. If you've ever been to a football game after... A big, um, uh, a big storm. You're walking in the grass where everybody has walked before. It gets really messy, doesn't it? Or your yard. You know, we had a dog growing up, and he he would go. Uh, dachshunds. Y'all have dachshunds. The dachshunds, You know, they they have one path, and they stick to it every time. When they go outside, they have they have worn a path in the grass because that is where they go every time. Perhaps other dogs too. But when it rains. They go over the same spot over and over and over again, and it gets muddy. Can you imagine if the ground were muddy with or uh, several hundred thousand people going over the Jordan River? They walked on dry ground. God was so faithful, he took care of the particulars, the things they didn't think about, the dry ground. Well, once everyone had crossed over, God commands Joshua, he says, All right, send these guys that you appointed in chapter 3, these 12 men, one for each tribe, back into the dry riverbed to grab a stone from where the priest stood. Now what are the priests holding? The Ark of the Covenant. The very Ark of the Covenant they were told in Joshua chapter 3 to be 2,000 cubits away from, 1,000 yards, 3,000 feet. They had never been so close to the Ark of the Covenant in all their lives. And now they're going towards this thing. If they touch it, they will die. We had a uh, Saturn SL2, 1998 Saturn SL2. It was a stick shift. I love this car. It had 100 horsepower when it left the factory in 1998. And when, when we received it, I guarantee you, it did not have 100 horsepower still working. Um, but it had a, it was a great car, it was a stick shift. I drove it in Birmingham. It was a lot of fun to drive on those hills and, and, and windy ro- roads. But it leaked oil like a sieve. And we had it checked out, and they said, it'll cost you so many, you know, it seemed like hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, to, to get this uh, this fix. And we decided it was a lot cheaper just to keep a, can- a, a bottle of oil in the back of the car. And so once a week, we would, um, especially when the light came on, that's when you knew you had to do it, uh, We would uh, pop the hood and and put some more oil in it. Now, this is the only car I've ever added oil to. And so I don't know if this is common to cars, but it was right there on top of the engine. And it was this small little plastic knob that you had to wrestle open. And everything else was metal, and it was like a 1,000 degrees. And so if you're driving down the the road and the light pops on, you say, I've got to add oil in this car because it's about to burn up. You pull over and, and, and you're just trying so hard to get that knob off without touching anything else. And if you do, you know it very quickly. And the hotter it gets, the harder it is to get off. You have to be careful. How careful these men must have been as they reached around the legs of the priests underneath the Ark of the Covenant trying to get a stone so they wouldn't be burned up crispy because they had touched the holy Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the very symbol of his presence on earth. These men grabbed these stones, and they were told to bring them to the other side of the Jordan and to take them to Gilgal, the place where they would encamp. We'll return to those stones in a few minutes. Well, there's another set of stones. Depending on the translation, it gets a little ambiguous here in the Hebrew. Uh, the NIV says there's one group of stones. The NIV says there. The ESV says there are two. Uh, it seems as if Joshua set up another set of stones in the middle. Of the, of the water according to verse 9 uh, that he took 12 stones and he put them where the Ark of the Covenant had stood well maybe there's one maybe there were two we don't know how many sets of stones there were definitively but I like to think there were two and so during the drought season when Israel turned back to this place to give thanks to God there were those stones with the tops poking out above the the, um, top of the water that was at a low level. Alright, so then God commands uh, Joshua to command the the priest to, to come out of the water. And we see that there are three miracles here. The first is that the water divided as soon as they touched the water. The second is that it stayed divided the whole time they were walking through the water. That's when God's faithfulness really is important, isn't it? As you're one of those lowly Israelites walking through the dry ground that was the Jordan River, and, and you can you know, picture, okay, how far is that water up there, and how long would it take if God were to suddenly allow it to start flowing down? You're trusting in God's faithfulness at that point in spades with your life. And then the third miracle, when they come out of the water, and it immediately returns back to its uh, flood levels over, um, over its uh, flood stage. Well, So they take these stones. What do they do with them? They set them up into a memorial, into a sign. So that when they return year after year, we think, and have, we think, a a religious ceremony remembering what God has done, their children will ask, Mom, Dad, Pops, Nana, what are those stones there for? What do they mean to you? They'll say it's because the Jordan River was cut off. See the God, the God that we serve knows that we, while He is faithful, we you know waffle a little bit, and we waver in our faith, and we don't always remember, and we need signs to help us to remember. And He's given us signs all throughout Scripture, hasn't He? He's given us script, signs all throughout our lives as we think about, you know, what was the sign of the covenant with Abraham? It was circumcision. We'll look at that next week. What was the sign that God brought His people out of? Uh, Egypt. it was the Passover what was the sign that God would never uh, uh, destroy the world through a flood again it was the rainbow which still continues to this day what was the sign of the Mosaic covenant it was the Sabbath so one day in seven people would remember of their commitment to the Lord and his commitment to them He has given us signs in the Word that when we come to Him in the Word, we are reminded of His faithfulness. We are reminded in the waters of baptism of His purifying grace. We are reminded in the Lord's Supper as we eat and taste and see that the Lord is good and feast upon Him in faith, in our hearts, by thanksgiving of of God's faithfulness to us and to the covenant that He had sworn all the way back to Abraham, that He would send someone, that when Abraham's seed was faithless to the covenant, he would remain faithful. See, we need signs, don't we? We are weak and we need signs that God is faithful and perhaps the greatest sign is found at Calvary where we see Christ's faithfulness to the bitter end displayed for our salvation. But this faithfulness is something that is good news for us but is bad news for others. In fact, if you look at this text, you see that the reason why they're to give this sign is found in verse um, 23 and 24. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. And there's twofold reasons. Check this out. One, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And two, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Notice, one is really good news for his people, that, that God is with us. See, that we, to, we are to fear God forever us, our children, always as we remember all that He has done for us but it's bad news for the enemies of God it's bad news for the enemy of God that that God is faithful, right? think about this why does hell last forever? because God doesn't change God is faithful to His promises but what great news this God whose wrath is true and is poured out on the ungodly. That he has sent his son to die for his people, the ungodly. That we might fear and worship him forever as those who have been redeemed. See, God is faithful to us just as he was faithful to his people. Think about it. God is faithful to us every step of the way. He is faithful in His promises of His presence and provision and protection and guidance and wisdom and blessing, comfort, grace, mercy, love and salvation. Because of His faithfulness we persevere to the end and our salvation isn't up to us. It is sure and cannot be lost. Our homes in heaven are not temporary and our union with Christ is permanent because He is faithful. The seasons, they come and go. The crops are sown and harvested. The sun rises in the morning and sets in the evening because He is faithful. We can endure trials and know that God provides a way through temptation and that His wrath won't suddenly be turned upon us because of His faithfulness. Because of His faithfulness, even when Christians run, we know that God will get them in the end. And that if tomorrow doesn't come, it's because Christ has returned. Because He is faithful, we know that while our days often grow dim and our, bed, our, our burdens are heavy, that our affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Because God is faithful, we know that He will remain true to His promise to bring His Son back to, to call His people to Himself and to make all things new, and that we will be with Him in a place where sickness, sorrow, pain, and death are felt and feared no more because God is faithful. But if you're like me, I forget. If you're like me, you forget. See, God is always faithful. But our response isn't always uh, what it ought to be. What ought to be our response to God's faithfulness? The response to God's faithfulness to His enemies here is in chapter 5, verse 1, that their hearts melted when they saw what the Lord had done. They took God's presence and provision for His people seriously. But His people are called, their response is to fear Him forever. Fear is not a terror fear. When Scripture uses fear, it's speaking of reverential awe. It's talking about worship. It's, It's talking about loving and following God all the days of our lives. But so often we look at our, when God is faithful in our lives, we ought to be fearful and worship and proclaim His good news to others. We'll talk about it in a second. But but most often, it is the first of these two on your handout. We're either oblivious or we have spiritual amnesia. How many times have we prayed for God's provision? How many times do we pray for God's help through something, and then we sail through it, and we completely forget that we sought His help? And we and we credit the, our success to things of our own ability. When we pray for provision and yet we have a job that provides a j- paycheck, it's not because God was faithful to provide a job and provide provision. It's because we're really good at what we do. Or, or if we've prayed hard for healing and the Lord brings healing, how often is it only because we have ferreted out the best doctor in the land and not because God is the great physician? How many times have we prayed for help through temptation to, to be able to withstand it and we think oh man i did that i pulled myself up by the bootstraps oftentimes we're oblivious to the blessings of god and to his faithfulness in our lives but i think probably more common for believers is the second one that we have spiritual amnesia that, that we remember in the moment to give god thanks but then tomorrow we forget And we forget that He was faithful to us. And all of a sudden we face another trial, another problem. And we wonder, is God faithful today? Is God faithful today? It was because the people of God remembered God's faithfulness in the past previous chapters of the Word of God. Six out of seven days, what did they eat? Manna showed up on their doorstep. What had God done? He had provided a way through the Red Sea. He had defeated the kings of Sihon and Og. God had been faithful every step of the way. And they remembered that. And because, of that, because they remembered they had faith in Christ, they had faith in their God, the Lord their God, that he would be faithful today. And this is how, how we can grow our belief in God's faithfulness, is remembering what he's done for us in the past, of taking note, of writing it down, of calling to mind the things that God has done for us each and every day to provide for us, to be with us, to help us. As many times as we've prayed, as many times as he's answered, God has been faithful to us. You know, Israel did both of these things. They were oblivious to the first. We find in, in Amos uh, where we read of, of um, God's people had been very prosperous and yet they did not give God the glory. This is, this is um, the response of God through Amos in 6.8. I abhor the pride of Jacob and detest his fortresses I will deliver up the city and everything in it. Because they would forgotten who had given them all this. And we and they did the second. They had spiritual amnesia. In fact, according to Judges chapter 2, that this generation, let's so say Joshua, would die out. And when the elders who would help him, who were younger, when they would die out, the next generation was completely unfaithful to God. Because that generation had not taught their children what the Lord had done. We find in Judges chapter 2... They forsook the Lord and the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them and they aroused the Lord's anger. will we read that there was no king in the land and everyone did what was good according to their own eyes. But our response to God's faithfulness when He divides the, the Jordan for us, when He gives us the strength to get through things, when He helps us through temptation, when He provides for us with a paycheck, how are we to respond it is through worship and proclamation. Worship. You know, one of the best things we can do when we're having a hard time is come to the Lord and worship Him. Because it, casts, it gets our eyes away from this world and upon our Savior. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into His wonderful face. And the, the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And as we do that, we are reminded of His faithfulness. And we come and return and tell others and tell God's people about what God has done for us and His faithfulness in our lives because He is faithful. But the second is we proclaim it. Because my friends, in a life that is fickle, in a, in a world that will fail us every time, our neighbors and our friends, they need to know this faithful God who has sent their, His Son to die for His people, that we might have life. We serve a faithful God. And he is faithful and just, according to 1, 2 Timothy 1, or one of those pastorals, to forgive us of all of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He is faithful. Faithful. So we have a story to tell to the nations. Of a, of a God who is faithful and is bringing light into this dark world. if we turn from our sin and turn to him in faith and repentance if we ask him into our heart and tell him God I am sorry for all I've done I deserve hell but I receive your grace and I receive the gift of salvation the spirit moves in our hearts we call upon his name he will not put us to shame and he will faithfully hold us to the end let us worship and proclaim let's pray Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, even when we are faithless. We thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Oh Lord, call to mind those things that you have been so faithful in our lives that our our, our faith might be nourished we might be grown in your grace, that we might worship you and fear you all the days of our lives and we wouldn't hold it in, but we would tell the nations this great story, this great hope, this great salvation of this great Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask it. Amen.